Before we get to the scripture reading, I um, just want to uh, introduce our, our speaker for today. It's, it's, Demond, it's Demond Chris. He's like, should I come? Uh, so Demond is, is one of the elders uh, here at our church. Um, and, and though you know, I'm charged with the primary teaching responsibility, I think it's important that you hear uh, from the other elders, the other pastors here at our church. And I've known Demond for a very, very long time. Uh, he's also my brother-in-law, so there's that. Uh, but I've, I've known him uh, always to be a very godly, gentle, and, and servant-hearted man, um, a man whom I seek to emulate in his character. And so um, I'm just excited for him to be able to speak to us. And he is a teacher, so he teaches a lot. But is this, this might be your first time on a Sunday morning, yeah? Yes. All right. So this is the first time on a Sunday morning, but I'm excited to hear what he brings from God's Word. Um, so with that in mind, I'm going to read the Scripture. Hear the word of the Lord from Luke 9, 51 to 62. When the days were coming to a close for him to be taken up, he determined to journey to Jerusalem. He being Jesus. He sent messengers ahead of himself. And on the way, they entered a village of the Samaritans to make preparations for him. But they did not welcome him because he determined to journey to Jerusalem. When the disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to consume them? He turned and rebuked them, and they went to another village. As they were traveling on the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus told him, foxes have dens and birds of the sky have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Then he said to another, follow me. Lord, he said, first let me go bury my father. But he told him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and spread the news of the kingdom of God. Another said, I will follow you, Lord, but but first let me go and say goodbye to those at my house. But Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. It's good to be here this morning. Um, In 1956, five missionaries decided to leave their homes. They left their families and comforts of the world to go share the gospel with a group of people in the remote area of Ecuador. Minkai, a tribesman in the Ecuadorian rainforest, lived by a violent code, either kill or be killed. Minkai's world changed after he and his family killed a group of missionaries. One of the missionaries' name was Nate Saint. Following this massacre, Minkai and his family abandoned the violence and embraced their enemies. When the now-grown son, Steve Saint, which was Nate's son, of the slain missionary, returned to learn about his father's death, he became part of Minkai's family. In this heartfelt memoir and later a movie called End of the Spear, Steve Saint, the son of Nate, wrote about growing up with the Ecuadorian tribe whose family killed his father in 1956. 
and about taking his wife and teenage children back to Ecuador in the 1990s to live among them again. How can a person show mercy towards someone who hurt you? How can a person be so radically obedient in following Christ? Through the transforming power of Christ, you can show mercy and live a life of radical obedience. Let's pray. God, thank you for today and your everlasting love. God, please give me the words to say and make people ears to be open to hear and live by the word of God. God, thank you for sending Jesus to show us the perfect way to love others. Jesus showed kindness and respect to everyone, no matter how they treated him. Please help us show the same love to the people in our lives who are tough to love. In Jesus' name, amen. Sometimes you will get rejected when you follow God. In verse 51, when the days were coming to a close for him to be taken up, he determined to journey to Jerusalem. He sent messengers ahead of himself, and on the way, they entered a village of the Samaritans to make preparations for him. But they did not welcome him because he determined to journey to Jerusalem. Now, Jesus, he was on the mission. He was on his way to actually go and be crucified, to actually have a purpose. On the way, he went to Samaria. Now, as you recall, Jesus, this is not the first time that Jesus was not have a place to stay. When he was born, he was born in the manger, right? There was no room for them in the end when he was born in this world. Also, Jesus even had positive relationships with Samaria in his early ministry. As y'all recall in John 4, he had to travel through Samaria. And how is that you, a Jew, ask for a drink for me? A Samaritan woman asked him. For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. So that very point right there, talking about Jewish people and Samaritans, they were different cultures. They never interacted with one another. Does that sound familiar about today, about our cultures? So this is what happened. Jesus continued to talk to the woman and show how he knows her. Jesus revealed that he is the true source of life, not just that water that was in the well. That was just temporary. And as a result, the woman's encounter with Jesus, many Samaritans from the town believed in Jesus because of what the woman said. When she testified, he told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. Now think about what we just read. Many more believed because of what he said. And they told the woman, we no longer believe because of what you said, since we have heard for ourselves and know that this really is the Savior of the world. Now, hold up. Hold up. How did this encounter early in Jesus' ministry in Samaria end up with Jesus in his final days going to Jerusalem, being not welcomed by Samaria? (laughs) You know, the disciples, they had something to say about that, right? (laughs) They wanted to pay evil for evil. Let's look at verse 54. When the disciples James and John saw this, they said, Lord, 
do you want us to call down fire from heaven to, to consume them? They were ready to burn the place up. All right? Now, you ought to think about Jesus. He's on the mission. Jesus' mission is to save the whole world. What does it look like him consuming this place right now on his way to save the whole world? But in reality, when a person hurts you or rejects you, naturally people want to respond in a way to get even. All right? On the radio, the DJ asked this question. Do you have a grudge towards another person? Many people called in that day. They revealed their grudge and how they do not talk to people for many years. In fact, one of the DJs stated that they know what the Bible says, and I just can't forgive that person. I'm going to keep my grudge towards that person because I remember what that person did to me. Thank God we have Jesus, right? That's interesting. That's people of believers, right? We know the word. There's one thing about knowing the word, but there's one thing about being obedient to the word. So we're going to learn about that in a second. But thank, to, thank for Jesus. Thank, thank you, God, for Jesus, because he's different. I like to call this the upside-down love. He does things differently by showing mercy. Jesus said that you should show mercy. In verse 55, it says, But he turned and rebuked them, and they went to another village. Now, what do y'all think he said to them? <laughs> that was a nice way of saying, oh, he rebuked them. But what did he say? Let's look back at the verse in Matthew 5, 44. This is the Jesus, words of Jesus on, Mount, on, the Mount, on the mountain. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That is totally different from what we go when somebody hurt us. One of my favorite verses is in Romans 12. And this sums up, Paul writes about what should we do as believers. In verses 12, 14 to 21. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud. Instead, associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Give careful thought to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Friends, do not avenge yourselves. Instead, leave room for God's wrath. Because it is written, vengeance belongs to me. I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For in so doing, you will be heaping fiery coals on his head. Now, people will be like, what, what? They will be like, what's going on? <laughs> Do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. So what is God's responsibility according to Romans 12? That's his job, right? He pays back evil for evil, right? He has vengeance. But what is our responsibility? We need to make sure that we're not showing evil, but we are conquering evil with good, which is very important. And that's us showing our mercy towards him. So how can we do that? It's through the transforming power of Christ. 
We can't do it on our own. It's not through what we do or what we say. It's through the power of Jesus Christ. But it's an actual price for that. Just like the radio DJ said, you know, I know the word, but I'm still going to do what I'm going to do. It's through God's what? It's through your what? Obedience. We need God's power to give us the power to be obedient. So do you understand the cost to follow Jesus? Because there is a cost. Let's look at verse 57. As they were traveling on the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replies, told him, foxes have dens and birds of the sky have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Then he said to another, follow me. Jesus, he's the best example. He's the perfect example on how to count the cost and how to be raggedly obedient. Jesus experienced not having a place to lay. We just read in Samaria what happened, right? They say, hey, I don't want you there. He didn't have a place to stay. But throughout all the trials and tribulations that Jesus faced, he put forth his goal to continue to fulfill the will of his father. Now, later on in this chapter, in Luke chapter 22, verses 39 and 46, Jesus went out and made his way as usual to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples followed him. When he reached the place, he told them, pray that you may not fall into temptation. Then he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, knelt down and began to pray. Father, if you are willing, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. So Jesus knew what he was about to do. He didn't want that burden, but he knew in order to fulfill God's will, God the Father, it would cost him. It cost him his life. It cost him everything. It cost him his friends. He was abandoned. Then an angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthening him, being in anguish. He prayed more fervently, and his sweat became like drops of blood falling to the ground. When he got up from prayer and came to the disciples, he found them sleeping, exhausted from their grief. Why are you sleeping? He asked them, get up and pray so that you won't fall into temptation. Now, we have many costs that we have to have, right? We understand, you know, with a new job, you may have to work more hours. Now, if you're in the marriage, you know there's a cost as well. <laughs> you can't just do what you want to do. You can't just go and be like, oh, I'm be out all night. No, no, no. <laughs> Those days are over, right? <laughs> you better count the costs, <laughs> right? You can't be giving the, you know, you can't be going out with your friends all you want to. There's a price to pay. But in Luke chapter 22, verse 42, Jesus expressed that statement. Father, if you are willing, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. He knew his mission. Jesus knew his mission. That's why he's the perfect example. But radical obedience will not make sense to those close to you. You share things with people. They're like, what are you talking about? Let's look at verse um, 59. The Lord, he said, first, let me go bury my father. But he told him, let the dead bury the, their own dead. 
but you go and spread the news of the kingdom of God. Another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go and say goodbye to those at my house. Now, those things sound reasonable, right? You go bury someone, those things are like, you know, that sounds normal. Like, yes. But when you're on Jesus' mission, you're going to have to have some costs. Thinking about Steve Saint, the son of the slain missionary. What do you think people told him when he told people, hey, we're going to go back to Ecuador. I'm going to take my whole family, my wife, my teenage children, to the place where my dad was slain. What do you think people told him? They were like, no, what's wrong with you? But he had a mission. He was obedient. He took a risk. He took a risk so much that he was 100% committed. Verse 62, but Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. So you got your hand on the plow, right? Everybody have a plow at home, right? And you look back, right? He says, not fit for the kingdom of God. Now, what is this saying? A great example is coming from the Old Testament in 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 19 through 21. Listen carefully because we got Elijah and Elisha, all right? <laughs> Elijah left there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, as he was plowing. Twelve teams of oxen were in front of him, and he was with the twelfth team. Elijah walked by him and threw his mantle over him. Elisha left the oxen, ran to follow Elijah, and said, Please let me kiss my father and mother, and then I will follow you. Go on back, he replied, for what have I done to you? So Elisha turned back from following him, took the team of oxen and slaughtered them with the oxen's wooden yoke and plow. He cooked the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then they left, followed Elijah, and served him. So what is going on right here? Elisha's livelihood was to take care of the oxen, and he could have easily told his team, like, hey, y'all, can you put those oxen to the side? Because if this doesn't work out with Elijah, I'm going to still have my livelihood. But that's not what he did. Elisha said this, no, we're burning up everything. Let's put the oxen there. They even took the yoke that they had the oxen. They used that as wood. He burned up all his livelihood because he knew that he was going to pay, be 100% committed and go and follow Elijah. Now that's 100% commitment right there. Now, this act of Elijah does demonstrate how to be 100% committed to the obedience of what God called him to do. Now, this brings to mind, to me as well, nowadays, professional athletes. Every four years, right, we all get ready and excited for two weeks, right? We looked at the best women and men athletes of the world, right, at the Olympics. Now, those people, they actually pay a price. They just don't get ready for that event for the two weeks, but they actually have a livelihood for those whole four years getting ready. You know, they have a sacrifice of, you know, costs. They have to move, train, day in and day out. They are 100% committed. Just like our Savior, right? Our Savior, he is the one who is the ultimate goat, right? When we say goat, we're not talking about the animal, right? 
Y'all know the greatest of all time. Uh, I'm a big basketball fan as well. So we always have a controversy about who is the GOAT, MJ, LBJ, Kobe, or this or that. But one thing with this actual debate that you have to realize, with this debate, they all lived in a different era, right? Those people were committed 100% in that era, and we do have to give credit where credit is due. But I do not have the answer to you as far as who is the greatest basketball player of all time. But we do know that Jesus is the GOAT. He's the greatest of all time. So thinking about these two aspects, we talk about showing mercy and also living a life of radical obedience. Christ did this. Jesus stated to his father, if you are willing, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Being the blameless lamb and taking on our sins, Jesus Christ showed unconditional love and mercy to the point of death. But Jesus did not just stay in that grave. Thank you, Lord. He did not stay in that grave, but he conquered death by overcoming sins by God's power of the resurrection. That's why Jesus is the greatest of all time, the true source, and the best example of how to show mercy and live a life of radical obedience. So what does this mean for us? How do we show mercy and live a life of radical obedience? We got to look at our spiritual disciplines. Every week, Pastor Will comes up here and say, got to get those spiritual disciplines, spiritual disciplines. So what does that look like? First, we need to make sure we read God's word daily. When you interact with God's word, you have fuel. You have the power, right, from the spirit to love others that are difficult to love, to show mercy to them. It's in God's word. And this needs to be a continual basis. Also, we need to communicate with God through worship and prayer. We just had worship up here. It was wonderful. Just to get our minds right, set and knowing that Jesus and worshiping what he has done and what he's going to do in our lives. In prayer, that's the way that we communicate with God. Sometimes it's good to just be silent, right? We got things in our mind all the time we want to say. Sometimes it's good to just be still and know that he is God. And finally, no, this is not finally. You have other applications for my sermon. This is finally. <laughs> you need to find accountability. By joining a group, a growth group, or spending time with people or believers, Jesus had his people. He had people where he had to rebuke, as we saw in this passage, and people where he encouraged, you know, Peter, you know, John. But also Peter, too. I'm just thinking about Peter. He actually left everything as well, right? He was on that boat. He had his nets with his fish. He left everything as well. He was 100% committed. But that's who Jesus surrounded himself with. We need to surround ourselves with believers as well, which is very important. Now, in conclusion, I want to go ahead and show you this short clip from actual Steve Saint in remembering Minkai. And I really want y'all just to focus on this and, and understand how to show mercy and live a life of radical obedience. The kind, gentle, fun-loving man has just died deep in the Amazon jungles of Ecuador. His name, known to millions of people around the world, was simply Minkai. He was one of my dearest friends in the world. 
Minkai and a small group of Waurani from his violent tribe speared my father Nate to death when I was just five. Only those who understand the transforming power of Christ's message could understand our friendship. We will miss you for a while, Grandfather Minkai, but we look forward to the reunion with you that we are promised. So in that short remembrance right there, you heard some words that just the words of like Grandfather Mikai, Mikai. We go miss you. Now this is the same person that took the life of his father. How can he show mercy to somebody like that? How can he live with someone like that? There was something that Steve Saint said in there that was very powerful. Only those who understand the transforming power of Christ's message could understand our friendship. That's the power of Christ. When we know who Christ is, when we understand that power, people don't understand what we're doing. Why are we doing that? It's through the power of Christ. Let's pray. God, even though we mess up, hurt each other, and offend you, you still love us. You still have mercy on us. Thank you. Forgive us of all the times we've chosen anger and bitterness over forgiveness and compassion. Please reveal who we need to show mercy to today, and then help us to obey your prompting. Show us how to love people like you love people. May we understand how to be people that are radically obedient for God's kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.